You are listening to audio from Calvary Chapel, Monrovia. For more information, please visit www.ccmonrovia.org. All right. Welcome. Merry Christmas. Good to have you here with us. We hope that the Lord will minister to your heart. It is Christmas Eve, and uh, we do want to take a look at the Christmas story here today. It's a story that is timeless, really. And as we look at it together, I'm, I'm sure your heart will be refreshed in the good things that God has for us. If you want to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 2, I'll be joining you there in just a moment. And we'll take a look at the classic story, but just a few thoughts by way of introduction. And I'll have most of these other verses, and in fact, all the verses I'll be referencing today, I will have them for you on the overhead. So if you have Bibles, follow with. If not, you can take a look here at the overhead. I want to remind you something that Jesus said in the Gospel of Luke in verse 45. He said, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. Jesus lets us know that what's really going on in the heart will ultimately find its way into the words. And if it's a good heart with good treasure, then that's going to manifest in the good words that come from his mouth. If it's a bad heart, bad treasure, that too will be made known through the words that are spoken. That that abundance of the heart eventually finds its way out into expression and words. Well, I want to remind you about John's gospel and the way he references Jesus. You'll remember this verse. In John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. So if we want to know what's going on in a man's heart, the treasure of his heart, we will hear it in his words. In the same way, to discern the treasure of God's heart, what is in the heart of God, we should be listening to his word. John says, Jesus is the word. It's the word logos in the Greek, and it means the spoken message. If you want to know what's in the heart of God, consider Jesus. Jesus is the expression of God's heart. The treasure of God's heart is discovered through his words, his word, Jesus. And so John, in his gospel, he introduces us to Jesus this way, that Jesus is eternal. He wasn't uh, just come on the scene in the manger at Christmas no, Jesus pre-existed. He, it says that he was in the beginning. This means that he was eternal, that he was with God. We get a picture of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we also see that the Word was God, lest there be any doubt. Jesus Christ is God, come in the flesh in a manger, but pre-existing in eternity past forever and ever, he is God And he was with God, and he says that all things were made through him. Jesus Christ is the creator of all things. Imagine that, the creator coming and becoming uh, becoming part of the creation. And that's the miracle of Christmas. And John says 
his Christmas verse in chapter 1, verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. This is how John introduces us to Jesus. He reminds us that he is eternal. He has always been and always will, the Alpha and the Omega. But he is now the Word, the expressive thought and heart of God. And he comes with this, this message, grace and truth. Grace, of course, speaks to us of the love of God, the mercy of God. Grace means the free gift of God, unmerited favor. We sense God's loving kindness, his mercy towards us in grace. Truth, well, of course, truth represents righteousness. Truth represents holiness, that the fullness of God in truth. Nothing is compromised in truth through grace because Christ has bridged them. We might think of those almost as not being compatible. Truth, truth requires judgment and justice. God is holy. Man is sinful. That's the truth. The, the, the wage of sin is death. That's the truth. We are separated from God. We are not at peace with God because of mankind's sin and fallen nature. That's truth. But Jesus didn't come just with truth. He also came with grace. Grace is about mercy and forgiveness and peace with God. How can these be reconciled? I love the way the psalmist says it in Psalm 85:10. Mercy and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed. You get the idea that, that God in Christ has reconciled both all the truth and requirement of his holiness and yet the opportunity for grace and mercy and forgiveness. God did all of this in Christ. That's why he came. He came to reconcile what was a bridge beyond us, a distance too far. Christ is the fulfillment. He lived the sinless life. He laid his life down for us. The penalty, the truth of the law and the consequence of sin was meted out on Christ so that now in Christ we can enjoy the mercy, the grace, the forgiveness of God. That's John's rendering, if you will, of the Christmas account. He doesn't get into the details of the birth itself. He simply talks about what God was doing divinely in eternity past and in his coming in the flesh. We go to Luke and we find, of course, a very familiar passage, the story of his birth. Let's, take, let's consider it today. Let's look at it today and evaluate some things that are spoken to us in this timeless story. Luke chapter 2 and verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, 
the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Boy, we know that passage, don't we? we we've seen that played out in Christmas plays. We've seen that in manger settings. We, we know this story well. And yet there is still truth here for us. There's some message. Remember, God is speaking to us through the word made flesh. Jesus, the word, even in his birth, I think there's some truth for us to gather. Notice that, that this happens in what we would all agree are very challenging circumstance. I mean, this Jesus, the prophets have been prophesying about his coming for thousands of years. You would think that now that the time has come, that there would have been a little more preparation, that there would have, it wouldn't be, seem so kind of patched together, right? Really? This is the time that we're going to give birth to the Messiah? We're on the road? We're, we're traveling through a difficult circumstance? We're under the Roman Empire, and there now we're here just to make sure they get our tax money, and my wife is now pregnant, pregnant knocking on the door. Hey, my wife is in labor. Oh, well, good for you and her. Go to the stall. We're busy in here. We're filled up at the inn. This seems to be like, really, Lord? That's the way you're bringing? That's the way the word became flesh? God is working supernaturally, even in the midst of what seemed to be very natural and unconvenient circumstance. And I think that's a lesson for all of us to remember. Now, God has intention for this, and we'll talk about that. But just remember this. You know, God is at work even when it doesn't seem like he's at work. God is working in your circumstance even when it seems to be an, uh, you know, a trying time. And sometimes, I mean, I've said that prayer. Really, God, this is you? Really, Lord, now this? Have you ever prayed that prayer? You've just come out of a trial or things have gotten so bad, and now you're praying, and, and then things get worse. Lord, Really? This is the blessing you have for me? Mary, you're favored above all women. God's going to bless you with the son. Really, Lord? Here in Bethlehem, now in a stall, in a manger? God at work divinely and yet in very trying circumstances on the road. Listen, don't look to circumstance to determine whether or not God is at work. You'll never know what God's doing if, he, if he's only working in the circumstances that you think he can work in. God is always looking to work in your life. And sometimes the most challenging circumstances are the very best of God's work. Would we agree this is a very hard circumstance, but God was doing some of his best work? Jesus was being born. God was saving the world in this inconvenient moment in this young couple's life. God is not limited by circumstance. God is able to work through challenging circumstance. Maybe you're going through something and you think to yourself, well, I'll be glad when this is over because then, then I can get back to seeing God work in my life. Maybe God is working in your life, that job, that situation, that challenging ministry that you're trying to get going. You're just trying to move towards the Lord. And you, you find yourself often, the more you try to kind of respond to God and give place to God in your life, what happens? Things get better and smooth? 
No, things get worse and hard. Mary, let it be done unto me as you have said. I'm ready to be a servant of the Lord. Okay, here we go. And it gets to be a trying and challenging time, but God is still at work. And maybe you can relate to difficult, challenging circumstance, but the Lord is there working. God is always watching over his word. He's always watching over the work of his children, his work in their lives. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Jesus is born in complete humility and weakness. This does not seem to be the birth of a king. This does not seem to be the palace worthy of the the creator of the universe come to become one of us. This seems to be something so humble, so weak. We sing it, silent night, holy infant, so tender and mild. Just the idea of Jesus coming as a child represents a weakness, something of of a tenderness. But not only that, he's born in the shame of the manger. I mean, you talk about being despised, not really being recognized or honored. But all of this, we discover, is God actually fulfilling prophecy. It was prophesied that he would be born of a virgin. It was prophesied that he would be born in Bethlehem. And it was prophesied that he would be despised and rejected by men. I remind you of Isaiah 53, verse 1. Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of the dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. As we hid, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him, he was despised and we did not esteem him. Right from his birth, he is despised and we gave him no recognition for who he was and what he'd come to do. No form or comeliness. That means no splendor or majesty that would attract us to him. And even in the humility of his birth, he is rejected and despised. There's no room for him to be born at the end. And I do believe that God is speaking to us even in this humble birth. Jesus is not coming to be glorified and honored among men. Not in his first advent. Jesus is not coming to be be served by men. Jesus is coming to serve men. Jesus is coming to save men. The the Bible says in Philippians that he humbled himself. He set aside his divine rights and privileges, and he, he humbled himself and became a man. You see, Jesus is coming into the very depth of our weakness. Jesus is, is, is intentionally being born in this kind of stress, And this would be the kind of the mark of his life from birth till death. He would live a a man acquainted with sorrow. This is God's intention to make him empathetic with with us, if you will, that he might be a, a substitute for us, lest we think he can't relate to us. 
he can't understand me. Oh, yes, he can. He's come and lived and walked in this frailty that you and I know as the human condition and life. He's intentionally trying to demonstrate that I'm coming for you. I'm reaching deep for you. I'm going the distance for you. There's no, no one out of my reach. There's no one too far. I'm putting on weakness, humility, frailty. And I'm putting it all on that I might live through that a sinless life and then become the sacrifice for sin in your life. God intentionally becoming weak on our behalf. Do you imagine sometimes that the Lord just can't relate to what you're going through? Do you imagine that somehow he's just distant from you and doesn't understand your struggle? Do you, do you, do you imagine that maybe, you, you know, you're just not worth much on his radar? Listen, this story of Christ and his coming and his humility and his weakness, this speaks of great worth. This speaks of great purpose for your life. Have you endured rejection? Have you gone through sorrow, pain, and grief? Jesus has come for you. Jesus has come for us all. Remember what the writer of Hebrews said concerning Christ. Hebrews 4, and again on the overhead, verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The writer of Hebrews saying, look, this Jesus, he knows what you're going through. He himself has identified with those pains, with those sufferings. He can sympathize, empathize. He knows what it is to struggle in the, in the humanity and the condition of life. And so that's why the writer says, when you come to him, come with confidence that you're going to receive the grace and help that you need because he knows just what you need. This is a savior who can identify with you. And as he comes, as you come to him, you come with confidence that I'm coming to a God who loves me, a God that understands me. Well, back to Luke. Let's look now at the next chapter there in this story of his birth. We see him born in the manger, but there are angels appearing out in the shepherd fields. Take a look back to Luke. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. And then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you, you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. As this child is being born in the city, out in the fields, heaven is opening up a message to the shepherds. 
that they would recognize something of spiritual reality is taking place in the city. You see, at the manger, it all seemed just like a hard circumstance. But from heaven's perspective, there was something wonderful going on. And that's just a good thought for you too. Sometimes the circumstances don't reflect what's really happening in the spiritual world. What seemed like just a difficult you know, delivery of a child was actually a glorious moment. All of heaven was rejoicing. All of heaven was witnessing. And these shepherds, these guys are just out taking care of their sheep. They're startled. This angel comes and brings message. And they get a glimpse of what God is up to. Don't be afraid. I'm bringing you good tidings of great joy. This is really, really good news, guys. Which will be not just for you, but for all people. There is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This Savior is for all. And this Savior has come with good news. And here's the good news. A Savior has been born for mankind. A Savior. There's a message just in that title. He is Savior. That implies somebody needs saving. You don't send saviors when everybody's already saved. You send a Savior for all people because all people need a savior. And listen, that's what you need today. That's what I need today. I don't need religion. We don't need religion. We don't need our own kind of good works. What I need is Jesus. I need a savior. I need someone who can rescue me from this condition, this condition of weakness, this condition of sin, this consequence of selfishness in my own way. And I would simply say to you today, humble yourself and receive this Savior into your heart. Don't imagine in pride that somehow your good works are accomplishing anything really. Would Jesus come? Would all of this, the cross, the resurrection, the message, would all of heaven be at this moment rejoicing if, if you could do it on your own? If all we really needed was a little encouragement, just do your good works and you'll be a good person and God will see that and you'll be fine with God. You can have peace with God through your own goodness. That's not the message of the gospel. The message of the gospel is that our goodness is never going to be good enough to be perfect and holy before God. But God didn't just send the truth he also sent grace in Christ. And the grace is you can be forgiven. You can be saved. You can become righteous in your, through faith in Christ. That's an encouragement to anyone who's been frustrated with religion or trying to be good enough. You don't have to. You could stop trying and just receive the Savior. It's also a reminder for those that are trusting in the Savior that you are no longer under any condemnation, guilt, or shame. It never was about you and being good enough. It never will be about you being good enough. Now, we're not giving license for careless living. I'm talking about that heart that knows I need his grace. And the, 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 the good news is that Jesus came. You don't have to live under the guilt and the shame of your own shortcomings. 
You don't have to live under the, the misery of, of sin, the bondage of it, the emptiness of it, the fruitlessness, the, the dead end that it leads you to. Jesus came to save, and he came. He came for you. He came for me to bring grace and truth. You don't need to live under that. The Bible says that he has separated your sins as, as far as the east is from the west. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Your sins, your iniquities, I remember no more. Though you were red like scarlet, you have been made white like snow. This is good news. That a Savior has come for us all. That we might know this righteousness of God in Christ. Well, let's continue. Finish up the story here finally with me. Uh, So it was. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. The shepherds have to go check this out. And I imagine you and I would too, right? You see this angelic vision. You hear the host of heaven singing and praising. And let's go find this child. This is a, this is a moment we, want, we don't want to miss. And so they go. And so we see just, just some closing thoughts here in these shepherds. They go and they are amazed to find the child just as it was told them. Everything is as was described. And they begin to share this message with others. And it is a message that should be told. Go tell it on the mountain, we sing. You know, Jerusalem is at altitude. Anytime you're going into Jerusalem, Bethlehem, you're going up. Go tell it on the mountain. That's exactly what these shepherds did. They went and they declared what had been revealed to them. And all who heard it marveled. You know, I would say to you simply as a believer, that's just a good application. You know, just tell people about Jesus. Just tell them what you know to be true. Look, he came. He lived. He died. He rose again. He is the Savior of the world. These things are true. These things are recorded for us in the scriptures. These things have become real to us in our personal life. And I'm, I'm telling you, not all, but many will still marvel at that testimony. You have a witness And it says that Mary kept and pondered these things in her heart. And that would be something else I would suggest this Christmas season. Keep and ponder these things in your heart. Remember what we're celebrating tomorrow, tonight and tomorrow. We're celebrating the good intention of God expressed to us in his word, Jesus come to earth. And that we would ponder this, that we would reflect on this. This, this story doesn't get old. This, we never get to the place where, oh, yeah, the Christmas story. Uh, it's still the story. 
it's still the truth that we can reflect on and can find fresh inspiration for even in our own hearts. And the, and the shepherds left glorifying and praising God. Believe, share, keep and ponder these things in your heart and glorify God. Let it create a praise and a worship in your heart. I've entitled today's message, I don't know if I said this at the beginning, I'm at the end now, so you might as well know the title, The Treasure of God's Heart. The Treasure of God's Heart. And I want to close with a verse. Again, some words of Jesus. And what we find here is Jesus um, reminding us of how things are in the kingdom. He says in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 44, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid, and for joy over it he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls. And when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Jesus doesn't tell us exactly how to interpret this parable. And so there's been some difference, idea, difference in ideas on how to interpret it. There are some commentators, Bible teachers, that, that see this as the heart of a man who discovers the kingdom of God. When, when you find out, when you, when you find Jesus, when you find relationship with him, the miracle of the kingdom of God coming into your life, it takes over your life. It becomes the most important thing in your life. It's like someone going to buy a field. He finds a treasure. He sells everything just to possess that treasure, the pearl of great price. What else is worth the kingdom of God? And that's a good application. And I think a true statement concerning what goes on in our hearts when we come to the treasure of God's love and grace for us. But there are many who also see this good Bible teaching uh, commentators who also see in this possibly the reflection of God's heart towards man. And if you look at some of these thoughts, you know, we don't go and buy salvation, but Jesus came and bought salvation. But we're not able to... to, uh, Uh, go and acquire this pearl of great price. Jesus did go and purchase this pearl of salvation at great price. In other words, you can look at this to understand that you and I are the treasure in God's heart. And this is what his pursuing us in Christ is about. He saw something in you, something in me. He laid everything else aside. Jesus, it says that he sat down his divine privilege, and humbled himself and became a man. Why? To what end? To seek the treasure, to lay hold of man's hearts that could be forgiven and redeemed, to pay the price so that you, the most precious of his creation, could be restored in relationship with him. You're the treasure of God's heart. You're the pearl of great price in the heart of God. This is the love of God demonstrated in Christ. Jesus said, out of a man's treasure, a good treasure will be made known by his word. John says, Jesus is the word. 
That's the good treasure. This is the word that God has come to save. This is what the angel said. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. This is the, the word of Jesus. I've come that you might have peace with God. It's God's goodwill, his love, his kindness, his mercy. Jesus didn't come to condemn, he said, but to save. Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve and to offer his own life as a ransom, a ransom to pay the price. Why? That he might lay hold of the treasure of salvation for mankind, that you and I might become that precious pearl of great price in the heart of God. You're the treasure. You want to know God's treasure today? Consider what he's saying to you at Christmas, and you will know how God loves you, how he feels about you. You're on his mind today. You're on his heart right now. And God wants to restore you, to bring you close to himself. That's why he pursued you. He came for us, the greatest rescue mission of all. And the word became flesh. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for what is, to most of us, probably all of us, a very familiar story. But God, it's, it's not just a story. It's a reality. It's an event in history that, that marks the beginning of a work of salvation that would be accomplished for us for all time through the word become flesh. And our hearts, I pray today, Lord, would be touched to know this, that we are your treasure, that you love us, not because we deserve it. Lord, the truth, the truth is I don't deserve your love. The truth is, Lord, I, I fall short of the mark. The truth is uh, uh, there's really nothing redeemable within me. But the grace, the grace of God that came for me even while I was a sinner, the grace of God that sent Christ to the earth to save me even while I was lost. These things have come together. Grace and truth have been brought together in you, Jesus. Mercy and justice have kissed in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Oh God, touch each heart here today. Draw them to yourself. Peace, goodwill toward men. I come bearing good news. A Savior has been born. A Savior named Christ the Lord. He's been born. He's lived. He died. He rose again. He is ever seated today as our high priest. Come, come boldly and receive the grace and help in your time of need. He's not one who cannot sympathize with you. He's born, he was born, he lived, he walked this earth, tempted in all ways such as we yet without sin. Come, come to the Lord. As your heads are bowed here today and we finish out with a song of worship and Christmas celebration, I, I do want to give opportunity if you're here today and you need to respond to the offer, the word of the Lord. 
It may be that you are here today and you've never really allowed yourself to become that treasure. You've never allowed yourself to be cleansed and never received this gift of grace that he has sent to you in, in Christ. But you're ready today. It's touching you. You know it's the Lord. You feel that he's drawing you. Come. Come and receive the mercy, the love, the peace, the goodwill that I have for you. All of it is available in Christ. And maybe you're ready to receive Jesus and invite him in Christmas. What a great Christmas this will be for you as you receive the greatest gift of all. Maybe you're here today and you need to come back to the Lord. It happens even in Christians. They, we wander away. We get distracted through circumstance, through sin, through people that hurt us. Things happen and we drift and then we find ourselves far away from the Lord. But, but it's Christmas. And it's time, as Mary did, to keep and ponder these things again in your heart. Maybe you need to come home, come back to the love, the grace, the peace, the goodwill. Recommit your heart, rededicate your life to Jesus today. I'd love to pray for you. So if you're here today, you want to receive Christ or you want to recommit your heart to Christ, I would ask you just to raise your hand where you're seated and I'm going to pray for you. Anybody here today? I'll bless you there. Number of hands in the back. Anyone else? Talk about coming home for Christmas. This is it. Coming to the Jesus that loves you. God bless you. Anyone else? We've had two or three. Any others that need to respond? God bless you. On the aisle. Oh, he loves you. Good news. Good news. There's a Savior. Anyone else? You need him today. We're just going to pray and Enjoy his spirit moving into your heart. Just before I pray, anyone else? So, Lord, for these hearts responding to you now, I ask that you would meet them with your love and with your grace. Oh, Jesus, how you love us. I pray that they would come to you very honest and sincere, not with any claim of merit or anything that we could earn, but that we would simply say, oh, Jesus, I need your grace today. The truth is I need your grace. Forgive me. Cleanse me from my sin. I want to be free of these things. Oh, Lord, cleanse me afresh and new. Come into my life, Jesus. Begin to move in my heart by your spirit. I want this Christmas to be a time of peace and goodwill between us. Thank you for your love. Work these things in my life, not only at Christmas, but Lord, like Mary, may I keep and ponder these things all my life. May this truth become my my guiding light. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Would you stand? Thank you for listening to audio from Calvary Chapel, Monrovia. We pray you have been blessed by this sermon. For more information, please visit www.ccmonrovia.org.